Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Would not have the acid like our Bic pens would have. How many of you growing up, you heard the story, don't use a Bic pen in your Bible because when you wrote in your Bible, it would bleed through. Remember when you heard stuff like that? Bic pen, write first time every time with a Bic pen. Well, they wrote it with non-acidic type of ink. They did it so they could wipe and change. We would today, we had markers. How many of you have seen these big, white, slick boards? And if you took a magic marker and you wrote on that board, if you used the wrong marker, you could not wipe it off. How many of you used the wrong marker and you tried to erase it and afterwards you did this? <gasps> what have I done? All right? Because now you get a special chemical, blah, blah, blah. You can't get it off. It stays or it's stained. This is talking about he wiped it off. He took all the sins that you've committed, no matter what they are, whatever was written against you, whatever thoughts that were wrong, your talk was wrong, your walk was wrong, whatever you did, whatever you believed, however you thought about going to heaven, it was wrong. And God says through Christ and his redemption and forgiveness, he says, I'm going to wipe all that stuff away so that you can have a new start with God and God alone. So he says that he's going to do this. So he wipes it all away. What a glorious thing that is. And then it says, has against us, which was contrary to us. In other words, no matter what we even tried to do, it was working against us because it left Christ out. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this at camp. I think it's kind of cute, but I, I want to make sure we don't get so caught up in, in, in doing things that we miss the real message. But I remember young, younger, long, much younger than I am now, we would take the kids to camp and we would have them, there'd be a cross, we have one here in the building. It's just not up here. But it would be like a cross like that made out of wood, real nice cross. Then we'd tell the kids to write down maybe the sin they committed that week or the worst sin they might have committed or some sins or as many sins as they could remember. And they would write, you know, just privately, just on a little piece of paper. We'd tell them, fold it up, fold it up. And then we'd tell them, that, now take that piece of paper, go to that wooden cross. Here's a hammer, here's a nail. And I want you to take that and you nail it up there. Now, I, I, that's not necessarily bad. The problem is, is we reduce our sins to what we can remember. And with God, every sin that we have done, from motives to everything, that, that cross would be so filled. But the good news is how filled the cross would be with all the sin of mankind for all time, past, present, and future. When Jesus hung on that cross, he nailed it to himself, and he says, now I died and I'm forgiving you. So all that this is in forgiveness, it's not, it's not just the Lord saying... You know what? From his high holy heaven of greatness, I forgive you. I meditated on this passage, and I, this meant so much to me. If sin is what man said it was to be, and death is what man said it would be, and if man tells us how to get rid of sin and death, the question remains, then why did a high holy God, Jesus Christ, ever have to come to this earth? It's because he has a holy hatred for sin. And he sees the eternality of death. And what that is is separation, not so much from Christ, from us. He doesn't need us. It's the joy that we will never have by having a relationship with him. So he had to come to this earth and he paid for our sins. That's the beauty of what he did when he says, I forgive you. So he forgave you with his death and his blood and his resurrection. Now, if that doesn't motivate us, then all the little trinket stuff we tell you to do and not do, that's not going to do it. There's no rewards, no little buttons and badges. It's got to be inside your heart. It's all about Jesus. All that other stuff is, is okay as long as it doesn't take the place of a heart turned toward God. And God alone. And that's what this passage is talking about. So we have, in the biblical view, a forgiveness of our sin. Let's go to number four. 
There's five of these. The fourth one is a secular worldview of evil authorities over us. Now, I can stay in the context here, which I'm going to do, but I want to just kind of step away a little bit and, and pack a little bit more into that. Let's read the verse, and I'll show you what I mean. It says here, Having disarmed principalities and powers. Who did that? You know the theme is Christ. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, let's go back to the beach again with my little recorder here, okay? Now, I'm on the beach again, and I'm going to say, what forces are there that are in this world that could come against you? What forces would there be? I think you'd hear some of the following answers. I wish I had time to do all of this and show it up on the screen with nice little DVD stuff. I just don't, so just try to in your mind. I think what you would hear is something like this. One force against me would be Mother Nature. And we're reading a lot about that. Probably the greatest uh, historical amount of tornadoes in the Midwest that they're experiencing. Are you all following that? And you think about other uh, tsunamis and other hurricanes and cyclones and all that that's going on. And and dams that break. And the list goes on and on. And so they're going to say, look at this force. It, It must be evil. It's funny how that when things go right, God doesn't get the glory for the sunny day. We just, hey, I deserve that. I'm entitled to a good day. When the day is bad, all of a sudden, how can God do such a thing like this to me? So God, they always think, is a monster God, and they don't have any understanding of what God is like. Beep. That's where Christians who need to understand the word as best as they possibly can as they grow in the knowledge of God to present a more biblical, accurate picture of who God is, and even that, there's always going to be that little wiggle room that we're not going to understand everything there is about God. And that should be okay by us. And every day of our life, we know a little bit more and we get a little bit closer to God. Well, coming back to this. So they're going to say there's nature out there, some kind of this. How many of you are hearing more of this term? Well, you just had bad karma, okay? And so now you've got this existential force that's against you, and they put it underneath an umbrella of some religious system of karma. And then we could talk about angels or superior beings. And so they're going to classify some angels as good angels and bad angels. And there's white witchcraft and black witchcraft. And and we can go on and on with this whole story. So again, the world still sees some kind of force out there. And even when God is a part of this force, by far the majority of them don't understand what part does he play in those forces of nature. But here's what we know about Christ. Now this is kind of interesting. Before man ever committed his first sin, God had the plan of salvation already in his mind. And you can read that as Paul wrote to the pastor named Timothy. So God already knew man would fall. And when man fell, immediately God had a redemption plan in place because man would fall. And then through that redemption plan, it would be an eternal one. And that the word would get out to anybody who would trust Christ would hear about trusting Christ. And that he would then use people like you and me, broken vessels, are willing to be used the best we can as we grow in grace to be that vessel. And so now he comes to this earth and he dies and pays for all sin. So he goes back to those that have died before he died, that were believing in the coming of Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. They had a lot of outward things to kind of show that they believed in their heart that that was going to happen. And then he dies on the cross, rises again from the dead, and we look back to that time. So all of history is looking either backwards or forward, depending on what side of the cross you are. Are you all with me so far? Okay. So now you're looking at the cross over here, and here's what he says. Maybe, now he, I'm, this is Ponzism now, maybe the only way you're going to see my omnipotent power is if you Jewish dads would tell your Jewish kids about the power of God 
before the, you all left your heritage, Egypt, what was going on during the time of leaving Egypt, the 40 years in the wilderness, and the supernatural miracles that I was performing since then, even through my prophets, to show you that I have power over nature. That's another whole sermon right there. That I have power over demonic forces that are out there. Read the story about how gods were tipped over in the middle of the night, broken and set back up again, tipped over again, brought back to life again. God says, I have all that power. But then, when he dies on the cross, in his own little loving way, he sticks his tongue out at some of those people, in love, in love, and says, look it, I can even have power over death. I'll die on this cross a horrible death for people who hate me, and I'll still pay for their, their sin, provisionally speaking. All that for them. He dies, and he says, now I have victory over death. I have victory over hell, because hell couldn't keep me. I have victory over Satan, because I said I was going to do that, and Satan let loose all of hell to try to stop me from rising from the dead. He couldn't beat that thing. I'm showing you this. And so now look at the rest of the verse. It's so beautiful here what he does. Christ triumphs over them. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Now, here's how that happened. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, using contemporary language 2,000 years ago, reminded them that whenever a, a king or a ruler or a general would conquer a people, he would then conquer the people. He would take usually his more powerful captives that were generals or military people, he would strip them of their armor, strip them of their weaponry, parade them in front of people. Here were these powerful guys who were challenging us to a fight. And look, at we beat them. And so now they would parade them through and they would show how powerful. Who would get all the homage and all the, all the worship? The great king and his generals and all of the people that were serving him as they went out to battle. And so what the Lord is doing right now is specifically saying he took all of those that were the enemy of Christ and he's making a public display of them. And I think subtly he's saying... You know, you worship all these other guys that did this for you, but you need to worship me and me alone because I did this for you. And that should be an amen on that, my friend. That is God. That's how good God was. I tell you, I'm so glad that he knows how to disarm these things, and I know that he does it for you and me. I think some of you play these, these is, it, is it we or why? What's that, that thing you play with a wand thing? Okay, I, I, I was over at someone's house and they were having so much fun with it. I wanted to play with it, but they were having so much fun. And the pastor, you know, you, you go first, you, you go first. And I'm just saying, boy, I'd like to do this, you know. And then how many of you watched, you can get these special televisions now. I can't, I can't describe them. You know more about it than I do. Kids, I know you're waking up now. You know all of this stuff. And, and it's like virtual TV. The people look just like that. They feel like that. They sound just like that. And so we think that's called virtual reality. That means that's so close to reality. It's like virtually real. real virtually real. Now, folks, that's how subtle Satan is. I'm not saying don't play those things. I'm just trying to say keep, keep your perspective. Right now, this world, this pulpit, this room is virtual reality. The reason it's not total reality is because you cannot see that in this room, myriads of angels are here. There's a demonic force that's going on the rest of this day, the rest of your life. There is a tension, a, a war between um, uh, good and evil. There is a war going on between the eternal, a battle for the ages. Now, when I say that, let me quickly say this, young people. Stay with me. That does not mean where you're going to try to have God and Satan fighting it out to see who's more powerful. It is to show us to permit us to see that this war is going on, but that he is ultimately and always and only the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords. He is triumphing over this. In fact, he will even use these things that might occur to us in an evil world for even the wicked will do what God wants. 
God is that powerful. When God wants it, he's in control. Now, on this side of this, I can say, now, why did he do this? And how come he did that? I don't understand this. I don't understand that. I think what we have to do is to say this. You know what? God is sovereign. I can't understand all of this because we're still in the middle of the play. We're still in the middle of the book. We're still in the middle of the DVD. I don't know what the end of this thing is, except I do know that at the very end, every new about every tongue of festival, we'll abolish the whole earth, re- recreate the whole thing. I know all that's going to happen. So I don't understand all of this, but here's what I do understand. He is God. I will worship him. He is sovereign. And he has the right to do anything with anyone he wants at any time. And that's where we come in. We who are Christians that are going to embrace that belief system with him and him alone, then when we go through things in life, we can still celebrate as bad as it is. He's still on the throne. I don't care because it's all about him. He can do whatever he wants. I thank him for it and how good he is. I'm so glad we have that and how blessed we really are. Look what it says that he did. He says he disarmed them. How important that is. It's me. Now, I did that. That's because I saw Grandma Mac sleeping. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. No, I did that. Now, some of you were, some of you were, not, I didn't do that because you were sleeping, but what I did do is this. There was an element of peace, hopefully, in here. And when I set that alarm off, when I set that alarm off, let me give you the illustration and I'll come back and give you the backstory here. <laughs> All right. Those of you that are listening on CD or radio, you don't understand what's going on, but let me go on. I turned this on because there was an element of peace in here. But what immediately invaded our peace at that time was not just a car horn, was a screaming panic car horn that was going off. And for some of you that are fix-it type people, men and women that are fix-it, you're saying, you weren't so much fixing blame. Maybe your flesh was for the moment, but you're saying, how do we, who, who has it? How can we get that thing off? Is this, is this wrecking the service? What's going to happen? How's the pastor going to handle all of this? And that was okay. And that's a, probably a normal response to try to fix something. But my point still being is that in our world today, there is, there's this enemy against the peace that's within our heart between us and God. And Satan will do everything he can, whether he gives you misinformation or he gives you lies or watch. He allows and he creates this issue that comes again. We're going to call it events and circumstances of this world. And watch, even the Lord up there, this is cool, this is important, is watching this going on, permitting some of this stuff to go on, permitting all of it or prescribing it, so that what we do, we remember the teaching we got here today from God's word. Not me, not this church, but when it says, he still disarms all of this. So no matter how bad your world is, you can still have peace. No matter how strong the enemy is, Christ is more powerful and he lives within us. So he disarmed this. I don't disarm it, he disarmed it. I promise you that I can leave this on until the battery goes dead, until you get away from the sound totally. That's what this world is all about. That alarm is screaming to you and me every single day, all the time. And all we have to know that is in Christ, it is only disarmed by him, in him alone. So he triumphs over everything. Let's go to number five. He triumphed over all powers, all powers. Number five, secular worldview of shadows. And this kind of is a summary of what he's been saying. Notice it says, so, that's like saying, therefore, with all this teaching ahead of you, don't let anyone judge you in food or drink regarding festival or new moon or Sabbaths or a shadow of they, which are a shadow of things to come, but they're still the substances still of Christ. So just take a moment and see where it says food and drink. It brings us right back. Do you have to do more? Is it what you eat that you have to do? Does it what you drink matter? Do you have to stop drinking this and stop eating that? Dietary laws? There were dietary laws, but is it doing the laws that gets us into heaven and a better relationship with the Lord? No. Regarding a festival, in other words, do I have to go back and do the Passover again? Or communion, we'll talk about that. 
Or the new moon, meaning a special day we set aside. This time it was a special day during the month, 28 days when it came around, a special moon celebration. For us, it might be not a, 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 a celestial thing. For us, it could be just a special holiday that we make so much to do about it, it's taken away from the real meaning of it, and it becomes a shadow of the real thing, but we're worshiping the shadow. And you know where I'm going? I can talk about the Sabbath. I don't have time. I'm looking at the clock, but maybe I need to answer the question, why don't Christians keep the Sabbath today in, in the light of the Old Testament? And what was the value of the Sabbath, and when should we, and how do we do all of that? Right now, for this teaching, though, is that for the communion, we have, we'll have... The bread, and we're going to have juice. Now, the bread represents the body of Christ. The juice represents the blood of Christ. Now, when I see, see all this, it's not that I have to eat this bread, drink this juice, in order for me to get to heaven. I can eat all of this stuff that I want, but if my heart is out to lunch, all the communion that I take, as frequently as I take communion, is not pleasing a high holy God. So the bottom line is that we don't put all of this. This is just a shadow of the reality. In fact, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, not this wafer. And we could talk all about the other stuff that's out there. Is it good to go through a Sabbath or, a, excuse me, a, um, a Passover or a Seder? It's great to see all of these things. But remember, they are illustrations of something more. It's the person of Christ. So we don't worship the event. We don't worship the experience. We worship an intimacy that we have with the Lord, which still comes down to, is it yours and my self-manufactured Jesus? Or is it the authentic Jesus of the Bible even? And that's what he's saying here. And so now it says the biblical worldview is reality again. The reality has come. It's found in Christ. So don't follow the shadow. Follow the reality. I want to close with this, an illustration. The story is told how late at night there was a ship out at sea. And this particular ship noticed that it was getting to be extremely foggy and they couldn't see their way very clearly. It was the dark of night. So... The captain saw a couple lights out in front of him, so he asked a signalman to signal those people with those lights and basically said this. And the captain said, Alter your course 10 degrees to the north. It wasn't long after that he received a response from who was ever sending those lights and came back to him and said, No, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. Well, that made this captain a little upset, you know, a little angry for this. So he shot back another communication and the communication said alter your course 10 degrees to the north i am the captain and the person shot back response said alter your course 10 degrees to the south i am just seaman third class jones well now the captain was completely infuriated because this little nobody here was telling him a captain what to do so he thought he's going to strike terror in this guy's heart so he shot back a final one and said, Immediately alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I am a battleship. And the response came back quickly. No, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I'm a lighthouse. Now my point simply being this. In our world of a lot of foggy messages and information that you're going to get, and I have, that there's only going to be one voice that we need to listen to. And that voice has got to be Jesus Christ. And his voice will be heard most accurately through his word. But we then must come to his word with proper biblical understanding of how to study it correctly. And he will reveal his doctrine and truth to us if we're willing to do, not just know his doctrine, but willing to do his doctrine from the inside out for his glory. So this message about the dangers of intellectual 
Spiritual danger is coming against us. is very real, folks. And I just want to warn you in love that we go back to the source of God's Word. And those of you who are our guests or listening today, I pray that you understand that going to heaven is not based on anything you do, and you can name it whatever it is. It's no good deeds you do, religious or social. It is not who you worship that will get you to heaven. And may I say this, you can even in your own form worship Jesus. But worshiping Him still can be a far cry from doing it in truth. And He says, He that believes on Me won't perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did not say, He who worships Me will not perish but have everlasting life. So worship is something we do as a response of gratefulness for what He's done, not as something we do to get Him to want to save us. And then finally, there are not things I need to take out of my life necessarily to go to heaven. I come to Him just as I am, a sinner. He and His divine sovereignty brings that message of truth, faith alone in Christ alone. I'm convicted by His Spirit. I hear His Word. Now I'm coming together. And how can I not but make the choice to trust Christ as Savior when all that's going on in His sovereignty? And I pray then that at that moment you would shed whatever you were taught wrong, go back to the Bible and hear merely the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say unto you, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me will not perish, but have everlasting life. And you who are Christians, let's not be removed from the message of by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Let's pray, shall we? Right now, how is your relationship with the Lord going? In what ways are you trying to force God to accept you? What traditions are you holding on to that are just shadows, but now for you those shadows become so real that if you remove those traditions, you all of a sudden feel empty. So it became more about the tradition than God. Do you see yourself complete in Christ, lacking nothing? Because in Christ you have everything. What truths did you learn today that will give you greater security and protection against intellectual and spiritual dangers that come your way. And is there anyone in here that's willing to humble yourself before a very loving but mighty God and receive from Him the full forgiveness of all your trespasses because you're willing to now place your faith, as small as it is, as weak as it might be, as young as it is, in Jesus Christ and Him alone. So would you simply say this to the Lord, Lord, I I believe I'm talking to the God of the universe. I believe that you are the only true God. I know that you are the Lord who loved me and died on the cross and rose again. And I want to thank you for doing that for me. And I'm receiving from you the forgiveness of all my trespasses. And that I am now new in you. My sins are forgiven. My heavenly home is secure. And I have you who will never leave me to help me through this life in a way that I can now please you from a spirit of gratefulness, not so much duty, but desire. How many of you would like to have prayer because right now you in your own intimate way are engaging with God and you'd like for me to remember you in prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed? Is there anyone at all? I'm trusting Christ as my only hope to get into heaven. Is there anyone? Father, would you just take these truths and help us look at our own life and show us where we're off? 
Most of us are not off in gross ways, but maybe in some small ways. Father, most of us are caught up trying to force you to accept us, thinking that if we do just this or that, that you just would have to love us then, or you just have to accept us because we've kept your law, or we kept your rules or regulations or rituals. Well, Father, just break that idea out of our heads. Remind us that there is now no condemnation because of what Jesus Christ has already done. There is nothing more for us to do to please you because of what you have done on our behalf. And Lord, I know there are some of us who still try to hold on to the trappings, the shadows, rather than worshiping you, the reality. Our Heavenly Father, I know how much all of us need to be reminded just how complete we are in Jesus Christ. That in Him we lack nothing. No matter what our circumstances that surround us tell us, no matter what our senses might be telling us, we're complete in you and lack nothing. We won't look for it in other people or their approval. We won't look for that in some extra experience. We won't look for that in our jobs. We won't look for that in our careers. We won't look for that in our children, our family, our marriage. We will recognize that the fullness that is already ours is found in Jesus Christ in Him alone. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.